0: Chinese football made headlines worldwide, particularly from 2015, when major investments saw an influx of household names looking for a big payday. Big money signings, famous coaches, and talk of becoming a global powerhouse. China was on the map as a football nation. The roller coaster is now in full swing as financial struggles in recent years led to a player exodus, and the league tries to rebuild and stabilise. It's safe to say there's never a boring moment in the Chinese Super League. Thank you for joining us for an investigation into the clubs and players who've made the league tick over the years. Ben, welcome.
1: Yes, Arthur. For me, this is the real Super League. None of this sort of Real Madrid's European nonsense. I think there's a lot to love when we discuss the Chinese league um, there's never a dull moment like you say and as well as every kind of Brazilian superstar that's headed over in the twilight of their career uh, there's also some slightly interesting names that I, I hadn't realized had played out in China that we'll be covering today.
0: There really are. We're employing a three-five-two formation so we're we're trying to foster that excitement going pretty front footed and aggressive and hopefully we'll score many goals. If you have any names that you'd like to suggest for our 11 today, please do tweet us. To be honest, we always make this call for people to tweet us and no one ever does. So um, right. you, you really would make our day.
1: Yeah, maybe would. maybe we need to broaden out, I suppose, if you want to contact us personally, um, maybe letters in the post. Um, are you on Yammer at work? no, no Yama. it's like a kind of team messaging system base camp yeah you just get in touch however you want really with chinese super league players arthur in goal for our chinese super
0: league 11 it's Sui yg
1: um no, I, I, I have to say, Arthur, I'm actually, I'm not surprised I don't know the goalkeeper because there's like, there's, isn't there a quirk in China?
0: Yes, you must have a Chinese goalkeeper between the sticks. And so um, Sui YG was one that I hadn't heard of, but I hadn't actually heard of any of them. So there no. we go.
1: No, I, I, why? Do you know why that is that they insist on the goalkeeper being Chinese? It just seems quite frivolous.
0: I really don't know why specifically it is, but we did find that out in Japan as well, where the uh, the goalkeeper must be Japanese is clearly a uh, sort of Asian football uh, staple. But uh, yes, yeah, Sui Yijie is still actually playing currently in China's League One with uh, Shijiazhuang Gongfu. Hope you enjoy my pronunciation there. Uh, he's thirty nine years old currently, and he was a, his was a slow rise up the pyramid. From League Two to League One via Hong Kong, he'd proved himself pretty reliable other than being involved in a match fixing accusation at Four Way Rangers in Hong Kong. But no one was really willing to take a punt on the six foot two stopper. He actually had to really earn his chance and became first choice goalkeeper on the third match day of the League One season in twenty fourteen After Chongqing Yifan lost their first two matches of the season and he actually helped them on a 27 match unbeaten run, gaining promotion to the Chinese Super League. Uh, Sui as well set a new China League One record for consecutive clean sheets with 796 minutes without conceding a goal. Uh, So he really had earned his chance to finally play in the Super League. Unfortunately, though, it didn't really start particularly well. His first season in the Chinese Super League in 2015, um, he was fined 50,000 yuan, um, which is equivalent to 5,200 pounds, um, after allowing an opponent to score whilst he sipped on a bottle of water. (laughs) Oh, no. It's a... um, it's a very unfortunate moment. It's it's quite comical because um, Chongqing were leading rivals. Lianoning Wawin one nil when they conceded a comical equaliser. Lianoning midfielder Ding Haifeng latched onto a quickly taken free kick and slotted into the empty net. And comically, his coach was also sipping water at the time. There's a great replay of uh, of the goalkeeper taking a sip and the opposition coach looking shocked, taking a sip of his water. Um, I I think the whole situation was pretty unfortunate, to be honest, as it was a blatant dive to to win the free kick in the first place. So poor old Sui said, I made a terrible mistake in Sunday's game and let go a full three points. I won't repeat the same mistake and will never lose concentration, um, which is a good vow to make. He would go on to make 109 Super League appearances in six years. A few observations about his side, Chongqing Yifan. Um, their logo looks like an airline, I think. Uh, British Airways, he vibes to it. Um, <laughs> past managers as well include Paolo Bento and Jordi Cruyff. And... Um, This seems to be a recurring trend. In the intro, I talked about the um, difficulties financially in the league in recent seasons. And and they went from having a squad value of £75 million in 2015, so the ninth most valuable in China, to going defunct in 2022. So they no longer even exist. And actually, Sui, for his part, is actually probably one of the richer members of an eleven he graduated uh, from Shandong Institute of Business and Technology and went on to found an oil exploration and management firm uh, that's made him into a billionaire. So um, good old old Sui YG. He's a very rich man and the first inductee into our real Super League 11.
1: Yeah, that's an incredible story. I remember when I was younger, growing up playing football, we had a goalkeeper in our team once that used to be caught picking bits of grass and flowers out of the goal mouth. This was a like kind of year <laughs> year two or something like that at school. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of shades of that really about Sui's story. And, and maybe not the best advert for the Chinese Super League, but clearly a man with talent. He's in goal. Uh, and we have three centre halves in front of him protecting our nets. The first one, Stefan Mbia.
0: Oh yes. I, I love I love these nostalgic names that crop up in the super league, which I had no idea that they headed out there.
1: Yeah, we're talking about a player equally adept at center half and in center midfield. Um he split his time between those two positions, a lanky Cameroonian stopper, six foot three with long stretching legs. Uh, he was deployed to greatest effect at centre back when at Marseille in the late noughties and early teens. He joined for a whopping £10.8 million and paired up with Charlton alumnus Suleiman Diawara, and he went on to win League 1 with the team and play Champions League football. Uh, And this was all before his Chinese adventure. Like many, uh, the former QPR man turned to the fortunes of the Super League once European success was no longer on the cards. He signed for Hebei China Fortune, uh, a good name, really, for what he was looking for. Uh, and that was at the age of 30. He was able to use every ounce of his experience to dominate games in the league, scoring an impressive 10 goals as well in 44 games. Next came Wuhan Han Zhao in 2019, a team that were new to the Super League, playing in a distinctive orange kit and nicknamed the Nine-Headed Bird. Now... Wuhan and 19 is unfortunately quite a memorable combination. Uh, Less than a year after Ambia joined the club, coronavirus erupted in the club's home city and they were evicted, Uh, told to train in Spain where they were on a pre-season tour at the time and not allowed to return to the south of the country. So they were far away from their natural home. And frankly, it was considered a miracle that they avoided relegation. (laughs) And Beer during this time, though, had avoided it. As, as soon as the news came in, he moved to Shanghai, um, clearly missing life in the centre of a global pandemic. However, he returned to Wuhan controversially a year later, rekindling a defensive partnership with former Sevilla teammate Daniel Cariso. Um, and Wuhan Zhao is, is such an interesting team that I've I've really enjoyed reading about. Um, controversy and uniqueness just seem to follow them throughout their entire existence. They were formed in 2009, months after predecessor club Wuhan Guanggu folded in bizarre circumstances. After a mid match scuffle involving starman Li Wei Feng the Chinese FA banned Li and Beijing Guan's Lu Jiang for eight matches. This infuriated Guanggu, Wuhan Guanggu, so much that they withdrew from the Chinese Super League altogether and were banned from ever re-entering the country's league system. And hence, Wuhan Zhao was was formed years later. Unbelievable.
0: Absolutely unbelievable. And another story of dissolution as well because in 20 on the 25th of january this year they they actually dissolved which is which is a shame it's crazy how the money has just completely disappeared from the chinese super league and, and and so many of these clubs are facing financial peril really it's really difficult to
1: imagine um you know in england i feel like we have a very tribal view of football and the thought of clubs going under completely you know we've seen and Macclesfield in recent times it's it's a tragedy really but this is a regular occurrence in China Um, and I I suppose it's seen very differently Um, allegiance and and football allegiance I I, I don't know for sure having never been a, a keen follower but I'd love to hear from anyone who has an opinion on that and and how how teams shuffle around so readily how that affects clubs fan bases
0: thank you for uh, introducing stefan the qpr legend to uh, to the team that's really good and one of the defenders alongside him is gabriel paletta
1: yes um liverpool alumnus
0: absolutely um he actually burst onto the scene really um in 2005 in the fifa world youth championships so whilst Ooh. the likes of messi and aguero were starring up front paletta was that rock at the back for argentina as they won the competition. And that, of course, attracted the attentions of Liverpool. Um, He didn't really get much game time at Liverpool, but he did play enough to score the first goal in Liverpool's 2006 Football League Cup third round 4-3 win against Reading. Um, Do you remember that one?
1: I do, sadly. I was at that game. Um, So, yeah, I do remember Gabriel Paletta. I think at that time he had quite long hair. And then later in his career, he was bald, right?
0: Yeah, it's almost like when you grow old, you do sometimes lose hair. Yeah, science, eh? (laughs) But after the lack of game time at Liverpool, he returned home to Boca, uh, where he began to thrive. Uh, He really made a name for himself in Italy, though, the country his parents hailed from, uh, going on to make over 250 appearances, uh, as well as three internationally for Italy, youth football for Argentina, senior football for Italy. uh, And he actually lined up alongside uh, Barzali in Italy's defeat of England in the 2014 World Cup. Um, He left AC Milan in 2018 and joined Jiangsu Suning, um, which was a bold step, uh, but he couldn't resist the overtures of their then manager, Fabio Capello. Um, He lined up alongside the mercurial former Shakhtar midfielder, Alex Teixeira, and experienced marksman Ed Air as well. And actually, former Chelsea midfielder Ramirez um, was was playing there at the time, but he was banished to the reserve team, uh, having tried to force through a move to former club Benfica, uh, and the club effectively froze Ramirez out for a year. In his one season there, he finished fifth in the league and got to the quarterfinal of the Chinese FA Cup a steady unspectacular season with the talent that you you had at their disposal and their manager it would probably be seen as a failure. Jiangsu Suning they have a logo um with a sort of lion like image that for me has a strong whiff of the UNAM Pumas logo. The lion just looks incredibly similar. Another feature of Chinese football is the um the fact that name changes are pretty frequent. Yeah. Um, so this club was called Jiangsu Sainty in 2000 so a club that clearly appeals to me and then they became Jiangsu Guoxin Sainti and then Jiangsu Suning in 2016 and then now they're called Jiangsu FC and the reason they no longer have an appendage to their name is actually because the league decreed in 2021 that clubs would no longer be able to have company names in their titles this was essentially attempting for self-sustainability but it removed a lot of investment from the league and as we've seen clubs are really struggling in recent years this is another club that was dissolved this time in 2021 uh, despite having won the Chinese Super League as recently as 2020 and almost tempting Gareth Bale over to China in 2019 so that really puts it in perspective you mentioned uh, Berry and Macclesfield. Uh, but those are clubs way down the football pyramid. This is like Man City suddenly being dissolved and not due to lack of financial fair play. Inter Milan as well at this at this point in time are owned by Suning. So um hopefully they'll um, they'll manage to sustain that position in terms of finances.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one around name changes in Chinese football and large corporations, because I think, it, you know, even across Europe, it's well known that there are major corporations funding some of the big clubs like Man City. And obviously we even have more deliberate examples like Red Bull Leipzig. Um so I know that it was a very controversial decision from the league at the time to completely remove that from the kind of nomenclature of clubs and, and strip them of the, of the history of that naming. But like you say, it, it does seem to happen all the time.
0: It really does. And actually, in terms of the financial clampdown, we've moved from throwing millions at international superstars and, and building the profile of the league to essentially introducing pretty strict salary caps. So now any club that pays any more than 45 million, the equivalent of 6 million euros for a foreign player transfer, um, has to pay the same amount to a CFA Youth Development Fund, which is a great idea for boosting the profile of the sport. But it's led to a massive clampdown on, on, on no foreign signings, really. Um, there's also a separate salary cap for foreign players t- designed to slightly ring fence the foreign player salary cap that is more than the, the salary cap for Chinese players. Um, but obviously that's led to um, a, a reduction of investment in the league. So it's a bit of a difficult situation they find themselves in, but um, sustainability is key really from their point of
2: view.
1: Brilliant. So Gabriel Paletta enters the eleven alongside Mbia, and the final centre-back is... A real celebration of Chinese football, Arthur, it's Sun Ji Hai.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, probably the most famous Chinese footballer of all time, do you think? I would say
1: so. Certainly in the Premier League, the, the key success story, really. Known predominantly for his time at Man City. Uh, as their right back or makeshift centre-half. He was one of those players, a little bit like a kind of As Azpilicueta, I suppose, that played right back. And then as the back threes of this world started to creep in, he would shift towards centre-back. Um, he was the first East Asian footballer to score in the Premier League and also the first Chinese player to score in the UEFA Cup. He played 130 times for City between 2002 and 2008. Um, but that wasn't the only English club he played for, Arthur. Any any guesses?
0: I remember him playing for um, Sheffield United.
1: Yes, well quite done. Distinctly.
0: I don't know why, but Sheffield United rings a bell. That's a great shout. Um,
1: he also played for Crystal Palace on loan, actually, plucked what? from Dalian she Day. Uh, that was before he even joined Man City. But you're right about Sheffield United. Um, And that was a failed spell, really. Um, But it did give him an unlikely route back into Chinese Super League football. In 2009, Sun was loaned to Sheffield United's satellite team Chengdu Blades. Now, this is a fascinating team. They have really gone all out with the the whole satellite team branding. Um, The kit was the same as Sheffield United's. The badge was pretty much the same as Sheffield United's. Um, oh. And even the club's nickname was Chinese Sheffield United. Um, no, it, no. <laughs> it was. Um, I don't know whether they were just so enamoured with Neil Warnock's cult-like status in China that this is what they thought fans would lap up. But it's certainly what they went for.
0: Um, oh, I've just looked up the logo and that is incredible. It, it
1: is. It's rip-off wow. Sheffield United. Um wow. So it, Sun Jihai established himself there as a regular and he helped them to achieve the club's best ever league position. That was seventh place in the Super League. However, the club would ultimately be relegated to Chinese league one in the fallout of a match fixing sc- scandal. Uh, and sadly, this is a, a, another problem that that has existed in China. Um, I've read several instances in my research. It kind of shrouds the game and, and Sun Jihai's team fell foul. So, I think I know that's something that Chinese football are trying to work on, and I'm sure um, they're making fantastic progress. But I think, unfortunately, it is it is the kind of sour element of the Chengdu Blades story. Um, another team, by the way, that that no longer exists. Next, Sun Hai joins Shanji Chamba from Pudong. Um, an interesting name for a place uh, and this is another club that's endured several name changes uh, they've been Shanji, Guizhou Renhe, Beijing Renhe in fact I think they're owned by the same owners that own Reading at the moment uh, and again this is to do with corporate sponsors I, I think you've know you you see it, you've seen it across the league in, in the history of the Super League uh, Evergrande is a real estate holdings company Zal that I mentioned earlier, that's an investor group Um, So combine that with the fact that Chinese clubs seemingly have no problem with changing their host city. It it does cause a lot of change to their names within the league. Um, Sun Ji-hai is is also, I should mention, Arthur, another player who has gone on to be very, very wealthy indeed. Uh, Mm -hmm. He founded a tech business beyond football, which is now worth 20 million pounds. Um, wow. So don't worry about him; he's fine. I'm sure he'll get on really well with Sui Wei and uh, the parties will be exceptional post match.
0: I'm concerned that Sui Wei and Sun Ji-Hai will have a, a bit of a rivalry in terms of uh, the, the the amount they earn from their companies, because of course Sui is a billionaire, and and poor old Sun Ji-Hai with just his 20 million. I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be competitive. Felt,
1: though that. Sun hai just struck me as such a nice guy. Do you know what Mm. I mean? I don't think he'd be the sort to complain.
0: No, very true. And it's great to hear that he had such a thriving career in China as well. Um, His career with Man City was just so long and good that I kind of thought he played the majority of his career in, in Europe. But no, big Chinese Super League man. So ahead of the 2023 Chinese Super League season, I thought it would be an interesting opportunity to to see who you, the listeners, and you, Ben Warden, would be a fan of or should be a fan of. Oh. Uh, do you currently have any affiliation with any, any Chinese football teams? I don't,
1: to be honest, Arthur. I, I have visited China once. So I went to Beijing, but I never saw a game. And so oh. I don't feel like I have any allegiance to a particular team.
0: Seems, and to be uh, fair
1: actually they probably don't even exist the team that was there when I was there so um
0: yeah i think the technique i'm going to use to allocate you a team is is go through a few categories and get you to pick your favorite of these categories okay and um, so we're going to start off with north or south
1: oh um well i suppose i support a southern team in england so maybe we'll go for north
0: so what we're going to do is we're going to split the current 18 Super League teams in half. And so we're going to go with the North. You've got teams Changchun Datai, Beijing Guan, Dalian Pro, Tianjin Jinmen Tiger, Kangzu Mighty Lions, Shandong Taishan, Qingdao Hainu, and Henan Songshan Longmen. Your next category, Ben, is would you prefer to support a team in red or orange? Or blue or green?
1: Oh, blue or green,
0: definitely. Okay, so that's going to leave you with three potential sides to choose from. Okay. That's Beijing Guan, Dalian Pro, who play in blue, and Kangju Mighty Lions, who play in blue as well. Oh, okay. Your next category, and I'd like you to name your, your two favorite of these three, you can choose between either... Former Chelsea player, Ida Johnson. Oh. Former Barcelona midfielder, Sadio Cater. Oh, okay. Or you can choose former Villarreal striker, Cedric Bakambu. Oh. Who would you like to evict from those three?
1: I don't think I want Sadio Cater in the mix. I'll have the other two.
0: Okay, we're going to say goodbye to Dalian Pro. And you've now got a choice in terms of logo between an imperial guard or a lion playing football
1: oh that's interesting <laughs> um just because it feels more chinese i'll go with the guard
0: you've become a beijing guan fan
1: oh have i oh okay. And that's very
0: appropriate given that's the, the city that you visited then
1: it is yeah oh that's really exciting i mean uh, do, do beijing guan have high expectations
0: I found an article online that says you're most likely to support Beijing Guan if you're a West Ham fan. Um, I I can tell you they're one of the more successful clubs and better attended teams in the Chinese Super League. Uh, They were champions in 2009 and have been runners up on three occasions. Uh, They've also got three Chinese FA Cups. They play in the Workers Stadium, uh, a 66,000 capacity stadium that was built for a failed 2000 Olympics bid and subsequently used at the 2008 Olympic Games. Um, so you've got Olympic pedigree in the same way that West Ham have. And in terms of pedigree ahead of the season coming up, they finished 7th out of 18 in the Super League last season. So expectations should be fairly high. They don't really have particularly strong international pedigree. They've got Samuel Adeg Benro, uh, which is quite appropriate considering you're called Ben, and he's got Ben <laughs> yeah. in his name. Um, so... Who knows? But you are now a big fan of Beijing Guan, who play in, a, play in this kind of green and yellow kit, um, yeah. maybe a bit akin to uh, to Norwich as well. And their away kit looks very like uh, the Nigeria top in one of the World Cups with the sort of light green sleeves and a white uh, majority top. So um, an interesting team. And I, I hope you enjoy your, your supporting them. I'll have to get you a, a kit for one of your next their presence
1: oh thanks Arthur that, that was a deeply scientific process um, and I have just realized <laughs> actually I have a Beijing Guan player to talk about um in the next section so uh how appropriate for those listeners that have been with us since the start of the 11 journey thank you so much for following us all 46 episodes uh, and I'm giving this build, big build up because our left midfielder today is our 500th nostalgic player ever to make it into an 11, Arthur.
0: My gosh, that is quite an accolade um, and a massive build up. Gosh, yeah, poor old I Ricardo this... Vaz Tay. <laughs>
1: Ricardo Vaz Tay. <laughs> yeah.
0: The mantle of oh. the and West Ham winger. Can he cope with it? I don't know. I wonder. He he started up at Bolton, but my main memories of him definitely are in a West Ham kit. He banged them in for Barnsley uh, before West Ham added him to their attack in January of 2012. Um, and he scored 10 and 15, including a hat-trick and a 6-0 win over Brighton uh, that included an overhead kick. Um, Particularly he's remembered for his late playoff final goal in 2012 uh, that saw the Hammers beat Blackpool and return to the Premier League. That means he's kind of seen as a bit of a cult hero at West Ham. And actually only two teams finished above West Ham that season. Um, Mm. Any ideas, Ben? I think it was Reading and Southampton, actually. Uh,
1: And I put them in that order deliberately.
0: Yeah, well done, well done. And that's going to really annoy Tim Nagel. So um, yeah. there we go, Tim. Shame. Um, he, he, he racked up 19 goals and six assists in 61 appearances for the Hammers. And then two spells with Akiza Spor in Turkey followed. Um, he does feel quite Turkish Super Leaguey, doesn't he? He really does. Um, I, I think he's one of those players, Ricardo Vazte,
1: that has flair, but inconsistency. And he feels like he suits both the Turkish Super League and the Chinese Super League incredibly well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that inconsistency uh, manifested itself in league form that was steady but unspectacular in the Turkish Super League. But in the Turkish Cup, he really came alive. 12 goals in five games, which is pretty pretty astonishing. Wow. Um, a brief stint at Charlton Athletic followed before Vaztain made his way to China two and a half years Um, Henan Jianye uh, would win his signature uh, and he scored 16 goals in 26 games over two and a half seasons which is a pretty solid contribution and um, there was also a moment of real class when he missed a penalty intentionally as he believed it was given an error he said of his experiences in Turkey and China it's helped me grow as a football player but mainly helped me grow as a person It helped me look at things differently through different cultures and take more meaning into life because there are things we value here that they don't really value in Turkey and vice versa. Then China is a completely different world. So it's been a wonderful experience. It's been tough at times because it's not something I'm used to, but a wonderful experience because you really have to put life in in perspective, especially in China. So his comments actually almost are a veiled kind of insult at China. <laughs> he keeps on saying China is completely different perspective, China, China, et cetera. So um, I-, I think it was an interesting experience for him, but it wasn't a long experience. And I'm not really quite sure why, because he scored fairly consistently. Um, Henan Jianye uh, They're nicknamed the Red Devils. Um, they were promoted to the Chinese Super League in 2006 and then most recently in 2013. Uh, they've never really won anything other than League One and Two titles. Uh, their best finish in the Chinese Super League, third in 2009. They actually became Henan Songshan Longmen in 2021 and were sixth last season. I was having a little look through the uh, the kits of the Super League teams um have you had a look at a few of them? Determine your favourite kit? Not really, because I'm Beijing Guan till I die. You are. I'm I'm going for Shandong Taishan. Um, oh, okay. My favourite kit. They're sort of orange and red. Um they've got Maron Fellaini, which is fantastic. It's gonna be the Shandong Beijing rivalry between you and I then. Look forward to that.
1: That sounds fantastic. Ricardo Vazte, a scorer of absolute screamers. It was nice to see that he did actually go back and sit with the West Ham fans recently in a game and, and watch his old club. Popular there. And in our team, the first center midfielder in our kind of midfield line is up for grabs. Uh, that means that we have had journalists and football personalities get in touch with us, make nominations for who they believe should be in our
0: the real super league 11 uh so a little bit more on that at the end of the show that makes it sound like they've been they've been desperately getting in touch with us in their, yeah. in, their in their numbers saying please feature me please they, feature me. Yes, that is the case that is the case yeah. to some extent
1: once prompted they were keen <laughs> um so delighted to have them on board and that means we skip my position and it's over to you arthur for the other centre mid
0: fantastic and it's an italian Damiano Tomasi. Oh, uh, QPR, curly hair. Absolutely. A brief spell at QPR. Um, well remembered. And he is the distinguished current mayor of Verona. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. And it's quite a nice full circle because that's the club he made his debut for aged 19 in 1994. Welcome, Damiano. Um, But it's Roma who he's known most for. He spent a decade there winning the the Scudetto in 2001 under Fabio Capello, a season during which he was named the club's most important player by the manager. And he was paired with Zanetti or Emerson as a double pivot. It's exciting midfield that. And one thing I discovered about Damiano Tomassi is that he's just an unbelievably good bloke. There are a few examples of this, one of which is after suffering an injury in a pre-season friendly against Stoke, he was out of action for over a year. Uh, And then in the summer of 2005, when he was still injured, he requested or asked for a one-year contract extension on youth player wages. So he was earning only €1,500 a week um, to prove himself. And that he did, going on to amass Serie A, Syria totals of 262 games and 14 goals. Um, And that principled and philanthropic nature resonated with him throughout his career. He did a lot for charity, uh, and he opted to undertake civil service rather than military service, declaring Mm -hmm. he did not want to serve his country holding a rifle. Another example, um, he publicly declared he wasn't deserving of his first call up in 1998 But he did go on to earn 25 caps for Italy uh, and was a member of the team that took part in the 2002 World Cup, uh, providing a defensive shield in front of their back four. He's been described as hardworking, versatile, uh, excelling at breaking down opponents' attacks and launching his team on the counter, uh, uh, possessing a kind of Metzala type role, um, as he's got a bit of an eye, eye for goal and excellent stamina, meaning he's all over the park and. He's very iconic to look at, memorable look of a shaggy mop of black hair uh, and an unkempt beard. It's a little bit Gattuso-like, I'd say. His spell at QPR in the championship was very brief before he left for Tianjin Teda in the Chinese Super League. Now, they're called Tianjin Jinmen Tiger Football Club now, um, after Teda was forced to withdraw their name and therefore much of their funding after that Chinese Super League change in 2021. At the time, there was a big Italian influence in the Chinese Super League. Uh, Their title sponsor was Pirelli, and the Italian Super Cup was in fact played in Beijing that year between Inter Milan and Lazio. And Tianjin, in my mind, have the best logo in China. Yeah. And a multicolored pattern... Uh, I mean, I can't help but feel they could have done a lot more with their shirt. It's a little bit boring and white, and they could yeah. have made
1: it coloured. The logo is fantastic. I totally agree with you. Um, some a lovely bit of shading in the writing. I mean, they've really gone to town. Um, and it's actually the current club I noticed, the Fran Marida as well, the former Arsenal player. So I, I'm yeah, I'm quite enthusiastic about Tianjin Jinmen. They look they look great.
0: Yeah, completely agree um sixth place he finished in 2009 which was his only season there um but he did enjoy his new experience and in 2010 he set up a company in china called tamasi pretty seba sports and culture and exchange company um and it was aimed at creating a reliable bridge between europe and china in the field of football and it seems to have done just that, as we discussed in 2015-16. That was the real spark that brought a lot of international players to China. But in many ways, Tomassi did it before a lot of international players, and he didn't do it for the money. He did it for the experience.
1: Tomassi to QPR was such an odd move. <laughs> I, I kind of find it really weird that a Roma legend played for QPR. Um, but there we go. But they also had Danny Parecio back in the day, He then went on to play loads of games for Valencia. So, uh, yeah, funny club, QPR. Great to have Tomasi in the 11. And right midfield is Nico Yenaris, or should Never I heard. say Lee Kay? I mm, don't think I've heard of him either. Mm. So the reason for this double naming um, is because Nico Yanaris has changed his name. Born in London with a Chinese mother, Yanaris made history by becoming the first ever naturalised player to be called up to China for their national team. And he made a senior international debut in a 2-0 friendly win over the Philippines. Uh, And he's not the only one from the UK either. Uh, Take former Everton defender Jiang Guangtai or should I say Tyus Browning? And the reason for these Chinese names is that it's actually a requirement by China and the government that if you are going to become a naturalised Chinese citizen, you have to take on a Chinese name as part of that deal. Hence why Nico Yanaris is now known as Li Kei in the Chinese Super League and uh, Jiang Tai is the name for Tyus Browning. Yonaris is now proud to represent China, Um, but in truth, the Chinese national team has specialised in failure. 2002 remains their only appearance in a FIFA World Cup finals. Um, They left South Korea without scoring a single goal Uh, and their outings in AFC Asian Cups are nothing to write home about either. With two runners up finishes, their best achievement, despite being considered title contenders for almost five decades now. So Lee Kay, uh, he's now 29 years old, Arthur. He's a rugged, all action, fairly defensive midfield player with a positive winning mentality. He was capped for Arsenal when coming through as a centre mid slash wing back. Uh, but Brentford got to see most of him. He made 144 caps for the Bees, featuring in their promotion from League One and instant impact on the championship. Uh, and he fought off injury troubles to be an ever-present player during their 2016-17 season, generally seen as a really popular utility figure that could fill in whether, wherever there was a gap in their midfield area.
0: I just um, want to pick up on uh, on a point to do with the language of football, Ben. You you have this habit of, of of saying that people make caps? Yeah, I think you can make a cap, can't you? I think you get a cap. I wasn't it historically that you would literally get a cap you do i think you do still to be honest but i think can yeah. you make an made a, you make an app
1: yeah i suppose you do make an app not but i'm cap. just
0: imagining these sort of people sitting in kind of factories fabricating these uh these things to wear on your head maybe you're right and i'm wrong yeah. well there we go maybe i am i think i think he got caps didn't he he didn't really make them he got them yeah
1: I'll, I'll correct that in the future. No worries. For the past four years, Yunaris has been on the books of Beijing Guan, my team, of course. Um, and Beijing is typically uh, one of these cities where you've got the government um, playing a major role and, and they're in, in opposition, if you like, to Shanghai, who are the financial city of the nation. Um, and I think this plays out to some extent in their football rivalries, Hence, Shanghai Shenhua have beef with Beijing Guan and they're kind of the main rivalry, if you like, considered in Beijing. Uh, The former name of the team that I support, of course, uh, includes Beijing Physical Education Normal University, (laughs) which I think has to be one of the longest names of a football club I've ever heard. Um, But like you said earlier, they have been relatively successful. They're one of four teams who have never been relegated from the Chinese top flight, uh, even though they've only won the Super League title once and and commonly finished kind of upper mid table. Yunaris unfortunately, has spent most of his four years on the injury table whilst there. He's had three surgeries on a knee injury. uh, And in fact, he's been training with Arsenal with the hope of rekindling his career. So one to keep an eye on.
0: Rekindling his career at Arsenal?
1: <laughs> no, in terms of rekindling his career when he goes back to Beijing. Oh, but, yeah. um, I, th- I think as a player, he, he tells an interesting story around uh, the naturalising of players to try and improve the Chinese national team. Uh, and generally, he's one that I think championship football fans might might kind of go, oh, I, I forgot about Nico. I need to pick a player as well, Arthur, to play just in front of our foreign midfield, a kind of attacking midfielder, Uh, And I've gone for Jörg Alberts.
0: Again, really don't know that name. Really? Yeah.
1: George Alberts, what a player. Um, A former German international and a Rangers and Hamburg club legend. Uh, A player I've watched countless highlights reels of on Sky Sports. Uh, He always seems to crop up in the kind of best SVL matches. Uh, he was another utility player in a way, a six foot two imposing midfielder, an effective, powerful left midfielder, but also one that could play just behind the striker. And he had an outstanding goal record. Over his career, he scored one in every four games. Um, and so much of it is thanks to his pile driver of a left foot shot. Watching his goals from range is scintillating. Unbelievable. I-, I can't do his rasper justice, Arthur. Um, And for that reason, he became known as the hammer by Rangers fans. He scored an incredible 32-yard free kick in Rangers' 3-1 win over Celtic at Ibrox. uh, And it was clocked at an incredible 78.9 miles per hour, which at the time recorded was the hardest shot in Britain. Um, But that hard shot also got him into the news for other reasons, one slightly more unfortunate reason. During a match against East Fife in the Scottish Cup, Alberts infamously struck a free kick so hard that it ruptured the testicle of an opponent nervously standing in the wall.
0: Wow. Gosh, that is awful.
1: It makes me screw my face up with anguish. Absolutely grim. Um, He left Hamburg in 2003 for a new challenge and landed up at Shanghai Shenhua a team I've actually seen live. I saw them play in the Rotterdam pre-season tournament one year.
0: Oh, it's not the first time you mentioned the Rotterdam no. pre-season tournament. It seems, like, it seems like that was a serious I, talent discovery. I think everyone outside of Europe played in the Rotterdam uh, tournament
1: that year. Uh, hence why I keep bringing it up. <laughs> His first season at Shanghai was an almighty success. Um, one of the best foreign imports that a vision has ever seen. Alberts was named Player of the Year and Shenhua won the title. But then drama and a dark shadow over Alberts' time in China, the Chinese Football Association revoked the league title after it was discovered that Shenhua General Manager Lu Fang had bribed officials to give favourable decisions to Shenhua in games that season.
3: The next season
1: was the Super League's inaugural season and Alberts was battling with Shanghai at the other end of the table Uh, They finished just one point off the bottom and despite Albert still scoring seven in 20 games, he'd become disillusioned by football in China. Uh, And his slightly unfortunate parting shot was saying, I've heard so many things going on of players and teams selling games. How can we have played at one level last year and at this level this year? There are things that I cannot accept in football. It's the main reason I'm going home. You can't win if there are three or four players betting against your own team to make money. So a sad end. And like I say, China's been working to shake off this mantle. But certainly uh, in the early noughties, when Alberts was playing, it was a problem that was rife.
0: It's a real problem. I I guess the only equivalent really in Europe was the match fixing scandals in Italy. Yeah. Um, But they even they don't really seem as rife as they were in China. To have a title revoked is is astonishing. I'm also interested by the fact that Nicholas Anelka had a spell there as well as a player coach. Didn't score many goals though, which was surprising because when he left Chelsea for them, he was still kind of peaking in his career, I feel. Um, but no, he couldn't hit the ground running in the Chinese Super League for Shanghai Shenhua. <laughs> Onto the strike force and another opportunity to talk about a naturalized Chinese footballer. Okay. And this is one who did it pretty damn well, in my opinion. It's Elkerson de Oliveira Cardoso, who is known as Elkerson or ISN. Oh, okay. And he's another naturalized Chinese player who hails originally from Brazil. And for me, he sums up the Chinese Super League in the same way that Alex does Japan. 155 goals in 285 games in China, five Chinese Super League titles, two Asian Champions Leagues, a Chinese FA Super Cup, a Chinese FA Player of the Year award, two Golden Boots, two Team of the Year nominations, an all-round legend. And if that was done in any one of Europe's big leagues he'd be far too big a name for an 11 in my mind i'd be confident however that not many listeners have heard of elkerson he played for two of china's biggest clubs guangzhou evergrand and shanghai sipg now known as guangzhou fc and shanghai port respectively oscar and paulinho currently play at port uh, Guangzhou, meanwhile, have collapsed due to financial issues, and they were relegated in 2022. They now have only Chinese football players on the books, having once boasted Jackson Martinez, Talisca, uh, and Paulinho, amongst others. Guangzhou Pharmaceuticals, as they were known at the time... <laughs> were heavily involved in the match-fixing scandals in 2009. The main game, actually, was concerning a 5-1 win in 2006 when general manager Yang Zhu paid 200,000 Chinese yuan to bribe officials in the match, um, with three high-profile officials jailed for three years and the club relegated to League One. Having naturalised, Elkerson scored four goals in 13 games for China, um, he was the first player to be called up to China without any Chinese ancestry. Obviously, you talked about Nico Yanaris earlier, who does have ancestry, whereas Elkerson was essentially carted in because they realized he was one of the best players in their league and he did qualify. For foreign players, naturalizing as Chinese makes it easier to pursue a career in China as well. Uh, it allows them to evade Chinese league rules that restrict the number of foreign players clubs can field in a game and that's three uh, and only five in a squad. When he naturalised, he said, today I want to tell the world I officially started a new journey. I am Chinese. I want to return all the love and care you have had for me over the years. And I think it's a sign of the times in the Chinese Super League that Elkerson, despite being an absolute league legend, uh, left last year for Gremio on a free transfer. Uh, He helped them to promotion... But the end of 2022, he left the club and is now unattached at the age of just 33. So surely, surely a return to the Chinese Super League would be on the cards for the big man.
1: That's a great shout, Arthur. A player who I think embodies the success of the Super League, really, and an and import that has gone on to really shape the way that the league has developed over the years. Love that. Um, a player who dropped in only temporarily alongside him, but a fun name. Pappis Sisei.
0: Oh, Papis. I didn't really know he played in the Chinese Super League. Who did he play for? I'm not sure I did too. He played for Shandong Luneng. Yes.
1: Is yeah. that the club that Pella played for? Well, you love the kit, Arthur, you see.
0: Oh, yes, of course. It's my favourite kit.
1: Yeah, maybe Grazie- you could get one with Sisei uh, on the back.
0: No, with, with Graziano Pella on the back.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough. That's that's up to you, I suppose. When I think of Papis Sisei, I think of the scorer of one of the best goals I think I've ever seen. His remarkable swerving volley against Chelsea um, and also perhaps the worst goal I've ever seen. This was in the Chinese Super League. He was playing for Shandong Luneng. It was very rainy conditions and Sisei badly mishit a close range strike with his left foot only to somehow volley it with his right in the process of doing so. And it looped over the goalkeeper. (laughs) It it has to be seen to be believed. It is one of the worst goals or most fluky goals uh, I think I've ever seen. Papis Cisse, the goal scoring foil to Denver Bar at Newcastle, joined Shandong Lunyang in 2016. And he played in China for two years. He registered an impressive 18 goals in 34 games taking Shandong from a relegation contender to an impressive sixth place finish. Uh, and now called Shandong Taishan, they're actually a really interesting club. Um, they play in bright orange, like you said, and they play in the Xinang Olympic Sports Centre Stadium, which is a stadium that's never and probably will never be used in an Olympics. And I've noticed this a few times, actually, that that China has stadiums that have the word Olympic in despite the fact that they've actually never been used in the Olympics. Um, I'd love someone to explain that one to me. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing something, but I couldn't find it in my research. They're one of the most decorated teams in China these days. Uh, they've won the Super League four times, most recently in 2021. Uh, and in 2015, a match between C. Lunyang and Guizhou Renhe resulted in Shandong's manager Kuka being punched by the linesman after a vitriolic protest. Uh, they've also had Marouane Fellaini on their books. Um, they still do, in fact. And they've had Neil Ampti, Wagner Love and Graziano Pella. Um, I don't think Cissé will be considered a Super League hero as such, uh, but his goal record shows he was a cut above. So I wanted to celebrate him. Uh, An unbelievable striker whose goal record is 203 goals in 485 games in total. He scored double figures in 10 separate seasons throughout his career. And his outstanding 2011-12 season for Newcastle makes him the club's most prolific goals per game scorer in a single season. Um, So I,
0: I really do think he's underrated. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. I think when he did burst onto the scene in England in 2011-12, we kind of thought, hang on a second, this this guy has the potential to be one of the best ever in the Premier League. 13 and 14 is insane. And actually his his fellow strike partner at Newcastle, Denver Bar, also had a spell in, in uh, the Super League with Shanghai Shenhua as well. Um, so um, would, would have loved to see those two replicating their Newcastle exploits in the Chinese Super League together. Uh, but they were on opposing sides. He's also another very Turkish Super League player. He played for Alanyaspor, um, scoring a hell of a lot of goals in the Super League. So in terms of the standard of those two leagues, I mean, typically the Turkish Super League is considered a stronger league, I think, than the Chinese Super League, but he scored far more frequently in the Turkish Super League than he did in China. So um, perhaps that says something about the relative strengths of those two leagues
1: just to return full circle on Cissé's wonder goal for Newcastle. Um, I thought we could just take a moment, Arthur, to listen to Steve Claridge's live reaction on BBC Radio 5 Live.
0: Sol Campbell, the former defender, has told 5 Live Sport that Roy Hodgson needs to resolve the hidden (sighs) agendas
3: are you all right he's doing a gary neville no 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 you've got to see what? just God. have a look at this just have a look at this are you okay have a look at this where, where am, I? am i going to stanford oh, bridge This is
1: he sounds like an ar- aroused seal it's it's very odd um but yeah i hope you enjoyed that uh, i certainly enjoyed that girl
0: He kept any than that. That was awesome. Awesome. So, as Ben said earlier, every episode there is one position that is up for grabs. That's where we receive nominations from people. And the first nomination this week is from Paul Huang, who is from Hot Pot Football, which is a Twitter account providing Chinese football news in leagues one, two, and the Chinese Super League. Let's see who Paul's
2: nominated. Hi, my name is Paul Huang. Um, The best midfielder in the Chinese Super League, I personally recommend Darko Martich. Uh, The Croatian defensive midfielder has been playing in CSL from uh, 2007 to 2016. And before he came to China, he has been playing for lower leagues in Switzerland, Germany, Bosnia and Slovakia. And uh, because he performed very well in Tianjin Teda uh, from 2007 to 2008. And um, yeah, he joined Beijing Guan in 2009 and helped the capital team to win the first CSL title that season. And uh, after that, he played for Beijing until 2015 and he became the icon of the Beijing fans. And he's the only foreign player who can be interviewed in Chinese so far. And the most important thing is his love for Chinese culture. Yeah, he also served as uh, Rafa Bentes' assistant coach when he played, when he coaching, uh Daren Yifang, and he's the only non-Spanish foreign coach. That's all. Thank you.
0: Darko Matic. Not a player I'd heard of, uh, which surprised me, because international players in the Chinese Super League, you kind of feel like they must have had a really extensive career in Europe. But that wasn't so much the case for Darko. So great nomination. Thank you so much, Paul.
1: Brilliant stuff, Paul. And the next nomination from Cameron Wilson. He is the wild East football founding editor, uh, born in Scotland, actually, but now lives out in Shanghai, uh, His Chinese football writing has been published in World Soccer Magazine, The Guardian, AFP, The Sunday Times. He's a prolific author and a fantastic one at that. I think his nomination will be good.
3: Giovanni Moreno, probably one of the most impactful stars ever seen in China. Ten years at Shahe Shenhua, classic number ten, South American playmaker. He's just an extremely entertaining guy to watch. You know, he'd Rambona's... Overhead kicks, there's nothing this guy won't try. And I mean, a lot of the time, he doesn't pull it off, but he does it often enough to create a real buzz around the stadium. He's quite an unusual player in that, an unusual number 10 in that he's really tall. I think he's like 6'3", 6'4". And he's got a, quite a, a kind of lanky style, but he's just really good with the ball at his feet, which, as the cliche goes, is, you know, he's good on the ground. He's He's got good skills for a big man, but that's undoubtedly true in his case. And he's definitely... Someone who I think it's a shame in some ways he didn't get the exposure on a bigger, bigger, higher level or a bigger platform. He definitely had the skills to play in Europe, but I think he maybe, application-wise, wasn't always the best. But for China, I mean, he came to Xinhua alongside uh, when Drogba and Elk were here. That was his first season and he kind of slotted in really well at that point. Uh, he played a lot of games for Colombia, I think, maybe a 20 or 30 times, something like that. And I think he was on the cusp of the 2018 World Cup squad, but ultimately didn't make it, which uh, was a shame. But I think playing in China, unfortunately, in his case, I think didn't help his cause. But, I mean, definitely one of the all-time Chinese Super League legends without any doubt.
0: Oh, it is good. Yeah,
1: Giovanni Moreno into the poll. Thank you so much, Cameron. Really appreciate you getting in touch. Uh, I'm going to throw another name in, Arthur. You love throwing another name in. Yeah, I will do. It's Lee Tai. Lee Tai. Yes. Good pick. Yeah. An underrated Chinese player. A um, bit underwhelming in the Premier League, that said. He played a holding role for Everton uh, and then not at all for Sheffield United. And that prompted the Sun Ji Hai move to Chengdu Blades. He did the exact same thing. He played for the Chinese Sheffield United. Um, But Tai is best known in the Super League for playing at Liaoning, um, a team once known as Liaoning Huwin, which feels like (laughs) a fairly appropriate name for a team pre-kickoff. But he's most well known for his role with the Chinese national team. He earned 92 caps for them as a player, which is interestingly around half of his total domestic appearances due to persistent injury trouble. He always seemed to be fit for the national team. Uh, But also as their manager, he won 50% of games, but stepped down after failing to qualify for the Qatar World Cup. Uh, And sadly, he too is now under investigation for corruption. Um, But Li Tai, uh, uh, an iconic name within Premier League Chinese circles, if that
0: is a circle. Indeed. And... You've picked a defensive-minded option. I've picked an offensive-minded option, and it's Freddy Guarin.
1: Oh, yeah, Freddy Guarin.
0: Absolutely. Known mostly for his time at Porto and Inter, as well as being a wonder kid on Football Manager. Uh, This is a creative attacking midfielder with an eye for a shot from distance. In 2013, he was described by Inter's manager as an extraordinary player who combines physicality with technique in an incredible way. He's an important element in the locker room. Another of the expensive foreign recruits in the Chinese Super League, this time for Shanghai Shenhua in 2016. Uh, He played four seasons there, orchestrating from midfield uh, with 26 goals in 100 games. He really embraced life in China. He said, I feel really good here in China. Shanghai is a beautiful city. I've been here for almost three years, and every day I feel more and more comfortable. Now I have made my life here. Things did sour in the end with financial restrictions coming into play. Uh, He even went as far as publicly saying he'd play for Inter for free uh, before he ended his career playing back in Colombia. 50 caps, over 50 caps for Colombia. An impressive player and hopefully going to get your vote on Twitter. On the bench, the players who just missed out. I, I just want to mention Yoriz Akore,
3: Oh. Uh, the,
0: the former Villa flop, uh, who carved out a reasonable career, actually, at changchun Yatai. Um, so well done, Joriz. Um Sadly, the Premier League was a bit of a step, but Chinese Super League, hey.
1: Yeah, alongside him on the pines for me is Zheng Zhi. Uh, another former Premier League player with Charlton, SPL player with Celtic, Chinese football captain. He's made over 350 Super League appearances, most notably for Guangzhou, uh, an icon of the Chinese game.
0: And to run you through our team today, we've got Sui Weijian in goal, a back three of Gabriel Paletta, Stefan Mbia and Sung Hai. On the left, it's Ricardo vazte In the middle, Damiano Tomasi, a choice of yours, and Jörg Alberts. On the right, it's Nico Yanaris, and up front, Papis Cisse and Elkerson. Thank you for listening.